feeling feel pretty creepy. Well, welcome to Creep Club, a podcast for the sick and twisted and the morbidly gifted, where we wade through the blood and viscera of the horror genre and discuss which ones creep and which ones should be put to sleep. I'm Chan Chan, your host, and with me are my fellow Creepsters, Dan Dan and Tauntaun. So uh, tonight we're going to be discussing Battle Royale from the year 2000, a Japanese uh, film about how to discipline children. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually a parenting guidebook, um, in case in case you need a little bit of extra help in your parenting skills. Boy, have I got the multimedia world building adventure for you. So, Dan, Dan, this was your selection, and right yes, well, this right out of the gate, I just want to say that I'm technically I'm not sure if this is horror, but creepy nonetheless. I'm going to say right out the gate that I hear where you're coming from, and you mentioned this ahead of time, and I was like, can't wait to debate this. Um, but I disagree. You disagree? You think it's horror? Well, I disagree in that I don't know what genre it would be. D- dystopian. Like, if I had to choose Dystopian a science fiction, I think. It's got a lot of the telltale dystopian okay. science fiction tropes. But there's enough blood and guts in this thing to definitely uh, make it horror adjacent. So... Think about, like, Event Horizon. I consider that a horror movie. And it's sort of like a crossover also. Yeah. Or even Aliens, you know, is sci-fi horror. Or, you know, think about, like, some slasher movies. Uh, I I would say that this could, like, be a slasher-adjacent film, for sure. I think it has a lot of elements of that, especially, like, kind of the, like, pulpy films from like the 80s like a lot of just overly acted dramatic scenes uh i could definitely see that falling into that category well melodrama is definitely something i want to talk about as this conversation (laughs) goes along uh but before we start getting into that uh dan dan why don't you give us a little rundown of what the the heck this uh crazy japanese movie is all about so battle royale is probably the more fucked up version of Hunger Games to a lot of younger people. There's definitely uh, a line, a through line drawn between those two uh, films or film trios in the Hunger Games case. So Battle Royale is a film set in the near future dystopian version of Japan where a uh, a law has been signed into effect which requires Japan to select one classroom of students per year to fight in a battle royale situation where all of them are put onto an island and have to fight to the death until one remains. Um, so this film follows a, an eighth grader, Shuya. His name is Shuya. Japanese, uh, Japanese John Cusack is what I've been calling Yes, him. perfect. <laughs> So we, we largely follow Shuya through this, uh, this situation when his class is uh, selected, kidnapped, I would say, on, put onto a bus and draw, uh, driven to an island where they are told they have been selected for that year's battle royale. Uh, just before the movie starts, we learn that our main character Shuya's father died by suicide. Um, and as the movie progresses we see that a lot of these kids are um dysfunctional or dealing with some heavy things in their lives Uh, and we see how their backgrounds affect their actions on the island during these three days of terror Um, so that's kind of a, a large overview and we can talk more about individual characters later and the ending which is a little bit weird um, kind of minor twists in there. And uh, yeah, that's my pass at an overview. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much Excellent. that pretty much sums it up. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of delinquents get sent to an island and uh, are forced to kill each other. And then uh, if, if you survive, then you are the lucky winner. Danny, when did you first see it? What's your history with this movie? Yes, I remember learning about this. I think... Maybe in like later high school, uh, this is actually 
uh, a movie that I don't think it did super well at first when it came out because there were some controversies surrounding the topics, of course, with children killing each other and other sensitive topics in the film. Uh, so this movie came out in 2000, but I probably saw it in the later 2000s. Um, there was also a book that this movie was based on that came out about a year before the movie and other various media like a manga series based on this as well. I've read the novel and the book. The no- <laughs> I've read the book and seen the movie. Um, and this, I, I remember when The Hunger Games came out thinking, geez, this seems really, really similar <laughs> to something I've seen before. Uh, and it seems like The Hunger Games is a little bit more sanitized version of this concept. Um, so that's that's a little bit of my history with it. It's one of my favorite kind of like cult classic-y films. It's had a, a larger following in more recent years, especially as people were discovering other battle royale type media. Of course, there's Hunger Games, like I mentioned. There's also a lot of video games with like a battle royale theme to them. And that's kind of sparked interest in one of the roots of where this uh, theme and concept came from is this this film. Chance, had you heard of it? No, I'd never heard of it. And uh, yeah, I definitely got Hunger Game vibes, 100%. Um, I don't recall them blowing the heads off junior high students in Hunger Games like they did in Battle Royale. But um, no, I'd never heard of this film um, ever. I actually did look at the comic version and um, it looked pretty true to what I saw in the movie. Did the book, was it pretty true to what happened in the movie? You know, it's been so long since I've read it that I think so, although I just can't remember enough details to be helpful. It's a really, it's, it's a pretty straightforward story, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was pretty similar. If I remember, it was a pretty long book, though. Um, I'm actually looking it up just to see. Yeah, it was 666 pages. Don't know if that was intentional or not. I don't recall ever hearing about this movie until now. And it came out in 2002? 2000. 2000. So that would have been, like, prime age for me to be watching stuff like this that I shouldn't be watching. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it totally, totally escaped me. Um, Quentin Tar- Did you hear what that? What was that? <laughs> that was Alex blowing his nose. <laughs> he sounds like a cartoon elephant when he blows his nose. It's outrageous. <laughs> yeah, I listen to that every single day. <laughs> Love that for you. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it either. So... I didn't I didn't read anything about it going into it. I wanted to go in blind completely. And I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I did. Because I'm sure there are a lot of think pieces on it and I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, I'm just there to watch And here we are making a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean it's more to revel in the in the madness that is that movie. Uh Quint- Quentin Tarantino <laughs> said it was his favorite movie in the last like ten or twenty years. So yeah, actually, Alex told me that. Um, his version of it was something like he wished that if there was one movie he wished he could have directed, it was that one. Or And I don't I don't know. I didn't actually verify that quote. But um, but in just like a c- classic interaction between me and my husband, I say, I don't want to know anything about this movie going into it. And he's like, oh, did you hear what so-and-so said about it specifically? And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so then I was seeing it through that lens and I was like, this makes absolute sense. This is a Tarantino style film for sure. It makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense that that this would be one of his And favorites. it came out before Kill Bill, right? Because Kill Bill came yeah. out. That Kill was the mid-2000s, Because I feel right? like I saw things that were reminiscent. Like, I feel like... Tarantino pulled a little bit out of Battle Royale for some of the stuff that he did in Kill Bill. I'm looking it up right now. I wondered about that too. Yeah, Kill Bill was 2003. And who knows what the timeline was, you know? Like, Kill Bill seems like a movie that would have been worked on for many years. I don't know. I just want to say, and I think I started the last conversation about a movie this way also, but it's fucking beautiful to look at. It's a beautiful 
film. The cinematography is so good. The I mean, it's it, it's in a beautiful landscape. And um, but but also and, and I don't know enough about like the technical side of video uh, videography and, and photography to say for sure, but it seems like it's oversaturated and like the contrast is low. So it feels old. It feels like you're watching a movie that's much older than 2000 in a like stylish way, not like a dated way, but like it's a really intentional stylistic choice that makes it feel like pulp. Yep. But I loved it. So it, it even has like a little, a slight little graininess mm-hmm. to it that makes it feel like something that's existed a lot longer than it has, which I really appreciate because the year 2000 is a real mixed bag <laughs> for artistry. Yeah, it, it's a throwback in a lot of ways. I actually got that same mm-hmm. feeling of, um, of something more cinematic and sweeping that you would see in like a previous decade. And the music matched to that too. It was very cinematic and lots of horns. It was operatic. Yeah, very, very, which was funny because it kind of contrasted the sort of content that was unfolding on the screen, but it totally worked. But yeah, it felt like a throwback for sure. And uh, definitely it elevated what could have just been sort of a, you know, just a blood and gut movie yeah yeah you know now that i'm thinking about it i didn't make this connection until now but some of the acting too gives me a little bit of like telenovela like dramatic overacted like very like sudden death after saying something very profound or deep so it it was interesting (laughs) i wonder if that was a reference that they had when they were filming it did did you guys did you guys watch uh, subtitles or do the English dub? Subtitles. Oh, I don't do dubs. Fuck that. Well, it was yeah, free, so that's why I did the English dub. <laughs> so, because I, I don't know, because there were some lines that made me laugh really hard, and I don't know if it was just poor translation, but I think it was the death of uh, the actress that plays Gogo in Kill Bill. Um, yeah. Uh, when she's dying, she looks up at the guy that in the, she's dying in this kid's arms, and she looks up and she says something to the effect of like, "I just want you're so yeah, cool. I just want you to know you're so, you're so cool." Yeah. And then she dies. <laughs> I wondered if that also was poor translation or no. Uh, <laughs> it's a t- it's a tone thing. I mean, they know what they're doing. There, it's a funny movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's there's like weird. Uh, comedy relief in this movie that is hard to explain but no i don't think it's a translation issue i think it's absolutely intentional one of my favorite quotes that i yeah i wrote that one down with a lot of la 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 (laughs) (laughs) i just wrote you look so cool um to the guy who just admitted he's not in love with her yeah Um, but another one of my favorites, um, which spoke to me personally, was I'm weak and useless, but I'll stay by your side. I was like, yep, that, <laughs> that feels true to me. <laughs> yeah, that was the main uh, character, right, towards the end where he's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. gotten kind of, well, he was fighting the really crazy one, that the kid that was there just to kill, right? One of the exchange students. Yes. I uh, didn't put, I didn't say that in my synopsis, but, you know, we find out the, the group of students finds out after they awaken in a classroom on an abandoned island that it's it's their whole entire class group, about 35-ish of them, plus two... Plus two 40-year-old men. Plus two 40-year-old <laughs> men posing as transfer students. Yeah. Um, and, and one of them is uh, a bad, bad, bad guy. He bad, he's a bad man. Because of the hair. It's the spiky. Spiky hair. He dresses in all black. Very scary. Spooky man. And then on the other hand, we have this kind of a GI bro kind of guy who has a uh, mission. He was a survivor from a previous battle royale year. And uh, his girlfriend uh, kind of betrayed him in a way in the end of they were the final two survivors. And he killed her in uh, automatic response as she was trying to kill him. And he has a lot of questions about how she died and, and what she meant when her last words, what her final, what her final words, meant. what her final smile meant and what her last words were all about. <clears throat> um, so he, he ends up bonding with the two main characters uh, who are trying to escape battle Royale together and, and helps them do so. It's worth noting also that these kids also have uh, uh, necklaces or these like 
things strapped around their neck. So if they don't play ball and if the time expires and there's more than one person still alive, then everybody's head gets exploded. So you got to they, they force you to participate, which leads to one of my favorite parts. And that's the initial reaction of the group of like how all the different students sort of like process and dealt with that reality. Well, also, they're faced with a former teacher, their seventh grade teacher. Is it seventh yeah. grade? He's like, surprise, it's me, bitches. That guy that you bullied. Remember me? I'm back. And I'm here with bad news. <laughs> And he's, uh, okay, at the beginning of the movie, we're seeing life before this point, and we see this teacher in, I think he's just wearing, like, a suit at school, and a student, like, stabs him in the butt. But was it on purpose? <laughs> I, I rewatched that scene. Yeah, It looked like that kid was yes. running out of a room and and accidentally oh. cut him. Because if you look at his face, he looks shocked and surprised that he accidentally, like, he looks scared that of what just happened. So I rewatched it, and I kept trying to figure out if that was intentional or he was just into some other shenanigans and, and the, and the, and the, um, teacher just kind of got in the crossfire because it looked like he got cut as he comes fl flying out of the door. I don't know. There were, there were a lot of interactions where I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to understand this better than yeah, I Yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, but so we, we see, you know, flash forward now we're in this post-apocalyptic on this abandoned island. Um, and this teacher's back, baby, and he is in a tracksuit. He's in, like, a Sopranos tracksuit, and I <laughs> loved it. There's nothing that says this person has lost the will to live than just uh, having a permanent tracksuit as a costume. Um, I loved that guy. I feel like of all of the characters, he's my favorite. He's completely fucking unhinged. He's a good bad guy because it's almost purely psychological and he's not doing any of the harm like he's he's the puppet master and those the puppet master is scarier than the evil puppet in my opinion but i don't know i i loved i loved that guy so much um and i i also loved they it really set the tone like okay I'll, I'll admit that when the movie started, I was not into it. And I was like, I am tr having trouble, like, placing the tone of this. And it took some time for me to, like, get into it. And then I was solidly into it. Um, but I think that's partially because m for the first part of the movie, we're only seeing life before this point. And it is a strange, like, over-the-top, kind of campy, rose-colored glasses. But there's some really dark humor to it. And... The, just the way that he interacts with the students when they're like suddenly in this abandoned classroom and he's telling them about about what's going to happen to them. Just the way that he like <laughs> has no emotion and he can like snap at the turn of a dime and at the turn of a dime yeah, is, is that, that even a is that right? Drop of drop a, a, drop, drop, of a hat, drop of a hat, turn of a hat. Drop of a hat. Turn. A hat full of dimes, I believe is the is flip of a, <laughs> flip of a page. <laughs> <laughs> so many idioms, so little time. He just he's a broken man, and um and I like him. <laughs> uh, and and I don't know. I think once I that's when I finally like understood the tone is is him doing his speech and like doing his little orientation on the island for the students. That's when I was sucked in. Like he's the thing that sucked me into it. Love him so. I much. do need to correct you though. He did commit like the first harm because that one like right when they're all it's sitting like the first three harms. yeah yeah because oh, right. like when he's un, like when he's telling them what the br act is all about and that they're about to battle to the death and shows them the video and all that um one of the girl students stands up and gets kind of mouthy and out of nowhere just he just chucks this knife and nails her right in the middle of the forehead and kills her and he also was responsible for the death of what's the nerdy kid that was like the buddy of the main character Oh yeah, the kind of like delinquenty guy. That's the guy that slashed him. Yeah, the him, guy, right? the guy that slashed him, right? And um, 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 Nobu. Yeah. So he, I mean, he yes. he asked that kid up pretty good too, and then eventually just blows his neck up, which 
Wow, I'm so sympathetic to that psychopath that I forgot he did the first three kills. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a great villain because of his composure, right? Like, uh-huh. he was so composed. Yeah, and we find out that it's not really composure. It's just that he's a broken man, and there's a difference. There's a difference between feeling dead inside and being composed. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to tell the difference, but yes, there, there, are, there are distinctions. <laughs> Who are your favorite characters? The Japanese uh, girl doing the intro of the video. <laughs> well, let's that video. Let's talk about that. So we see the students starting to realize what's happening to them, and our seventh grade teacher, the mastermind, or at least the supervisor of this whole uh, situation, puts on a video that was created for this year's battle royale. Apparently, of this very perky, like kind of. Uh, Camp Scout, uh, G.I. Joe, but as a female perky teenager girl who's going through all of the rules for Battle Royale in a very funny, cutesy voice. Um, And the students are uh, hearing all of this, having so many questions about what's going to happen to them. Uh, the, The teacher, the seventh grade teacher, is playing along with the perky attitude. It's a little bit unsettling for the students. Um, to see him joking around after just murdering one of their classmates and talking about what will happen to them. So uh, how did y'all feel about that video? Well, to really paint the picture, uh, I mean, this is that typical Japanese commercial kind of feel that like the high-pitched voiced girl like that girl she was covered in glitter and all cute and doing all the like peace signs and the salutes that you see in like Japanese commercials and stuff and she looked like she should have been like manning the Hello Kitty booth at like Comic-Con or something like that and obviously it was a a fun contrast with uh, the information she was giving about uh, if you're in this section when uh, we declare it a danger zone we're gonna blow your head off basically so yeah yeah you know, something that it reminded me of is like the Hello Kids meme, like an adult trying to like use like kids language to get them excited about something. Um, it almost reminded me of that a little bit, especially the way that the teacher uh, was presenting alongside it and kind of playing along with it. Uh, it gave me those vibes. It's like the the... The reason we have this battle royale is like, listen, the adults have tried everything and these kids are out of fucking control. You've left us with no choice. Now you have to kill each other because it's the only thing that will keep you in line. And at the same time, they're like, but they're cute children and we have to speak to them like they're cute children. Um, I don't know. It's the juxtaposition is hilarious to me. It also just reminds me of like, a corporate training video that I've most certainly watched more than once. So so it it made me cringe a little bit because I was like, this isn't like too over the top. Like this isn't potentially realistic. But you know, what's funny about the delinquency of the children is, and I I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it's poor script writing or it just doesn't matter because that's not the point of the film. But I mean, these kids are baking cookies for each other. They all they're all on the sports teams. They're all playing basketball. Um, You know, they're so they're so delinquent, yet they still all wear their school uniforms. They're, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, that's absolutely intentional. Like we're we're hearing this message that this is like for the good of society like that we've been backed into a corner this is our only option but all of the footage we see of life before this point is just typical like like the the popular kid won the basketball game again and everybody's cheering and everyone's friends and hugging and yeah baking cookies for each other and just acting like normal teenagers um and I, I, I don't know. I, I think that is intentional. I feel like I'm I'm not uh, smart enough to, like, make any real quality assessment of the message of that and what they're trying to say. I also don't really care that much because it's just a fun movie to watch. Like, surface level, good enough for me. Like, I don't, I don't need a bigger message behind it, you know, like I realize as I'm watching it, like there's also probably, um, 
in the year 2000, how old was I? I, I, I don't know, t- 13? Does that sound right? I don't know math. I'm not a smart man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't I don't think I have enough like cultural awareness. Also, this is a Japanese film and there's probably commentary about cultural things happening in Japan in 2000 that I'm is uh, beyond me. Um, I don't know. I, I liked that about it. There are definitely some other things that happen that I'm like, this came out of fucking nowhere. and I don't understand how it fits into anything. But it's fine. It's fine. I'm willing. I'm willing to play along. Yeah, that and that's the strength of the movie. It's like absolutely there were times where I'm like, is this bad or am I not or is it just my western eyes not able to pick up on certain nuances or does it not make sense? So there's a little bit of that struggle in the beginning, but eventually you're just like, "No, nah, this movie's just fun and rad. I'm just going to like let go and just like take the ride." So Can I ask is there anything about the scenario that is appealing? Like, we don't want to kill each other. Obviously. Obviously. Course, no. We don't want to kill yeah, each never. other. Obviously. It goes without saying, right? Am I right? <laughs> we don't want to kill people. But if we had to, <laughs> is there something like, chance I know 100% for sure you're thinking about, like, you're analyzing the weapons as they're appearing on screen and you're thinking about how you would use the weapon differently and what you would do in that scenario because you have sort of like a bunker mindset. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just curious, like it it is a, it's kind of fun to imagine what you would do in that scenario and like what your strategy would be. Yeah. And that, because we see a lot of different strategies. Yeah, for starters, um, it's scary how much you know me. That was absolutely one of my favorite <laughs> parts was when they're doling out the bags with the mystery things, right? And I love, that's actually something I really love. Everybody gets a bag and you're not sure what's gonna be in it. You could get a knife, a gun, or what the main character get? You got like a frying pan lid or something like that, right? <laughs> like, or, you know, so like this idea that you get all these different types of weapons and all these different, someone got binoculars and other, you know, like I like that idea and you're absolutely right. Just, it's that. Binoculars and pop. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's that deck. <laughs> Dream team. And I do like survival scenarios, mostly zombie related. I think about that a lot. And so I do kind of like enjoy that idea of um, doing what you can with what you have. And they kind of gave you a little bit of that. But then it instantly goes into the real, I think, the thing that most people are going to really mull over while they're watching it. And it's like, man, what would I do in that situation? I mean, because I'm not, I'm not someone who would really want to kill somebody. Do I have enough drive to want to stay alive that I would do what I have to do? Or would I be one of those kids that just jumps off a cliff because they're like, this is messed up and I'd rather die with a clear conscience, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the two kids that ultimately survive were binoculars and pot lid. So they were the ones that didn't have fatal weapons and they survived. Coinkitink? I don't think so. They had so. love, Tanya. Yeah. I <laughs> guess. Sort of, if maybe. You can, if you can I, yeah, I don't know. I, teenage love as yeah, love. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but. <laughs> I, as a kid, fantasized constantly about running away and not running away to like another city or like. You know, I'm not going to go off to Hollywood. Like, literally, I would fantasize about going off into the wilderness and surviving in it Um, constantly. I was just always preoccupied by that. And so this movie provided, like, the dream scenario if there weren't other people and I had to kill them. If I was on that island alone, like, that's what I enjoyed about it. I'm, like, in this beautiful place. And I'm in, and there are all these, it's an abandoned island that was once inhabited at some point because there are structures, there are houses, there are vehicles, there are supplies, people are eating food. Like, there's stuff. There's, there's, I just, I loved the adventure part of it. And I would, I would love to be set loose on an island that was uninhabited and just like be there. Also, three days feels manageable. <laughs> I'll do yeah. it for three days. <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, did, I'm sure some of you read the book Hatchet when you were in school. You didn't read Hatchet? 
okay it was um, a book that was based around that a kid a kid has a plane crash happen to him he's in a plane crash that <laughs> sounds like in reality um, and he's uh, stranded in a uh, some wilderness somewhere in the northern United States or Canada and he has to survive until he's he's discovered uh, so yeah there's a little bit of interesting survival elements that go on um, and and it's interesting how the kids end up using the environment for example there's this trio or 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 four four kid group that decides that they're going to overthrow this uh this whole situation the army or whoever is in charge of this uh battle royale they're trying to hack into the system to disable their collars and um you know trying to create molotov cocktails to firebomb the station that all of the army folks and the seventh grade teacher are hiding out at while this is all going on so it's interesting how they they scavenge and use the environment to their advantage even though it seems so far-fetched and ridiculous also like having it set in the near future is tricky because a good movie will do that in a way that's evergreen so you can watch it now and you can suspend your disbelief more easily than other movies of the late 90s where like they want you to believe it's the future and they do that with lots of flashy lights (laughs) like let's just put leds on everything it's the future and i don't know it in this movie, it's still a natural landscape. You're because it's the very near future. They're not trying to like outdo technology. The only thing that feels a little dated are the collars, and it's simply like the design of the collars that feels very two thousands. Like I had a watch that was that kind of shape, and I'm like, yeah, that that very much looks like something I would have worn <laughs> as an actual necklace potentially in the year two thousand. It was a new millennium, and everything was silver. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it worked really well to have, um, to have the landscape that we had and minimal technology involved. The, the, like, futuristic part of it is like, well, we don't treat children like that now, but I could see it happening. (laughs) That's a believable future. It's kind of like 1984, uh, the book or the movie, uh, where it's almost like the world we live in now, but there's just enough like technology involved that allows for the scenario to unfold, right? Like the totalitarian surveillance and and just the little gadgets that allow for the control to happen. And uh, and you're right. I remember, yeah, the, the neck things, everything was uh, rounded in silver, uh, in the early 2000s, like cars, <laughs> phones, small yeah, screens. cars, phones, everything was just that rounded uh, uh, silver uh, design. And um, but yeah, I think because it's the concept of dystopia that is the future uh, trope more than like the technology. They don't really focus on tech. Mm-hmm. I mean, the weapons they're given are all like melee weapons and just like normal. They don't. They don't. No one has a laser gun. You know what I mean. It's like it's something biological where I don't know. We're more likely to be afraid of how we treat each other in the future and how society will collapse. And then, like scary technology developments in the future, are things that we're like our stupid little human brains are like. Well, that's not going to happen. So it's not as scary. It's fun. It's fun to watch, and it's still a thrill ride to see like you know, in envisioning what technology can do to destroy humans in the future is, is something that we've been fascinated with since technology existed. But what's actually more terrifying is like, I don't know, like, I don't see us, you know, s- uh, having our teenagers execute each other anytime soon. Uh, but I don't know, <laughs> like, it, it doesn't, f- it feels more it connects more deeply emotionally, I feel like, um, than the conceptualizing of, of future technology. It's just not as scary. Having sc- Also, what year did Columbine happen? 98, I think. 99. Or 99? Or 96? So, so, I'm going to check. Something like that. Very- I would be so curious about the timeline of when the book was written, when the movie was being filmed and like how that lined up with the columbine shooting yeah april 1999 
So I could see why, like it honestly, I've been feeling really sensitive to content that involves children killing other children or other adults. Like I was, we just watched this show that I absolutely recommend. (laughs) It was a trip. And it's also like, I don't know, I would actually recommend it to anyone who likes this movie. It's, it's not us. It's okay. So it's, it's about this, this, um, company that was founded by this really young guy. They don't say how old he is, but he seems like he's in his mid-20s. He's very young. He developed a mobile app game, and it just took off, and he built this this development company. And um, and the show opens. We find out that this, this uh, group of students from a local elementary school is doing, like, a tour of the building, and they go to meet the big boss. And um, one of the students shoots him and kills him, and, you know, we've got an employee opening the door t- to this student holding the gun, and he just says, I want my mom. And I honestly, I was, like, angry about it. I was like, where the fuck was the content warning on that? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel especially sensitive to that kind of content these days for, for some reason. I don't know if I've just finally reached my limit. I don't know. Um, so, I, like, I can't even imagine at that time in the year 2000 being so soon after Columbine and this movie comes out and it's, you know, the, it's adjacent enough that it would feel like people would be protesting the movie and want it taken out of theaters. I would understand that, but. Yeah, it's, um, I was scanning the Wikipedia article after I rewatched it and they, in here it did say that there was a negative reaction because of, how soon it was after Columbine. So that definitely yeah. was a reaction. I think I think the thing that allows it to sort of bypass that concern is that it is dealing with ideas and thoughts that uh, are that precede Columbine. You know, there's a there's a very much a Lord of the Flies sort of mm-hmm. element to to this and so there's there's other philosophical ideas i think that it's sort of like dealing with um you know it's hard to say that this is a deep movie per se because of the silliness and the melodrama and just the gore and stuff like that but you know they are pulling from some interesting ideas in terms of uh, civility and and what it'd be like to be in those kinds of situations what you would do and how you would act and watching sort of the veneer of uh, your socialized self starting to fall apart in that environment, and then like almost your true self kind of comes forward. Also, in this movie, you know, the like trope of <clears throat> of the Columbine era is like heavy metal music and video games are making our children murderers, and in this movie, they're like oh, no, we actually literally made the murderers. We did it. <laughs> we were like, you're out of control. You're going to need to murder each other because we're not going to do it. We're not going to jail. <laughs> so, so like, I absolutely understand that this isn't, like, it's not, like, a direct line of this is glorifying that kind of violence. It's a totally, it's, like, the subject matter is, there's, like, overlap. But I guess what I'm saying is I could understand it being too too sensitive at the time to really appreciate the difference. It still jar. It was a, a bit jarring at first, and then I was into it. Once the slaughtering began, I was like, "All right, I'm in." <laughs> it's interesting how they they give these little background flashbacks throughout the film to give a little bit of context into some characters, like trauma or or reasons for why they're troubled and why they may be lashing out and yeah it's very clear to me that you know the argument that's being made that you brought up tanya of you know these little shits need to (laughs) need to figure out how to how to get in line and they're not going to do that so they're gonna they're gonna be the battle royale example to be made of this year and we're seeing that a lot of these kids they're lashing out or they're acting like little delinquents, but there are larger issues 
that have not been dealt with leading them to maybe act in an unsavory way. So it's it's interesting how they unveil that gradually over the course of the film. Why were the why were the kids surprised by the battle royale? Because this wasn't the first. That's what I was. This wasn't the yeah, first. Yeah, I didn't understand that. And so it, uh, you know they'd been doing it already. I'm st- and because they open up with the very first scene is a media frenzy crowding around a young girl who survived the little brave yeah yeah who, who who was the sole survivor of a previous battle royale i'm assuming and uh so mm-hmm. it's not like it's some secret that's like kept from everybody so i'm just so i was a little confused as to why none of the students knew that such a thing existed i wondered that too it seemed like a little bit of a a plot hole but the only explanation i could think of is you know when when the teacher tells them that they're doing this battle royale he tells them don't you remember like the br act battle royale act i taught you about this and he's like oh you guys are so dumb you didn't even know that's the vibe i was getting of the you know he was trying to say that the students didn't even know there would be this battle royale thing but it seems like that would be a pretty hard thing to to forget if you learned about that as a child so i don't really buy the argument that they just weren't listening when it was told to them that they might be selected to kill each other someday I don't know. It just it felt realistic to me that this guy was pushed to the point where obviously the children are not the actual problem. <laughs> the children are doing their best just like you, sir. Uh, but I think he, he makes a lot of comments about how he wasn't even allowed to react. He wasn't allowed to even make a face when he got stabbed in the ass. He wasn't even allowed to react to it. And and I don't know, there are comments like that made where I'm like, we're, it seems like we're missing context. Like there was a degradation of something happening in the school system. And, and this guy's like more than happy to take it out on the children. And I was like, that feels very real to me. That feels like a jaded teacher who ends up hating the children and not the system. Yeah. Because I think I remember the subtitle said that he said something along the lines of, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to take like an unwieldy student and just smack him a few times. And now you can't even react to someone stabs you in the ass. Yeah, that's right. So it's definitely <laughs> feeling like he has no control over his own life with his wife and his daughter hating him, as he puts it. Mm-hmm. Who's, who can smell his breath through the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. I was like, that, yeah, that that hurts. That's hurtful. <laughs> Unnecessary. Yep. How about that mutual dream? With the student? So the teacher and the, t- and the student. Yeah, they're having, we find out, uh, like a, a mutual kind of lucid dream together. I didn't understand that. I, I had a very loose grasp of what was I happening. I couldn't tell the tone. Sure. I, I couldn't tell if it was like predatory or if it was like just a weird interaction or if there, like I couldn't tell what the what the tone was or what. Well, that was the kid that stabbed him. Oh, I thought you were talking about the. Was that not a dream? I was thinking about the young girl. No, no, he it was it was the girl. The the girl that stabbed him. She no, didn't no, stab the him. Girl didn't. She, she hid the knife. Oh yeah, it was the goofy nerdy kid of a buddy of the main character who accidentally stabbed him or purposely stabbed him. Got but, it. And then she's like, "I cherish that knife." Yeah, basically. And I'm like, "That's kinky and weird." Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's a little disconcerting, I guess. It was one of those things where I just had to like, um, uh, just sort of try to guess what was happening and just wait for the next. Uh, brutal murder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I want to rewatch this movie when I'm high. Um, but I've, I don't know. I, I, now, that, now that I realize I'm confused about who stabbed who, uh, it was I Nobu. Watch it. Nobu that stabbed no, right. him. The head guy that got his head blown off in and the then beginning. Nobu got, okay. But the girl that that um, he's having this dream with is the girl, correct me if I'm wrong, who showed up to class when the classroom was empty and it was just the teacher in there and written on the blackboard was something like, we're all skipping class because we don't care. Yeah. And the teacher was erasing it. And that was the only girl that showed up. And then uh. he gets stabbed by Nobu, 
who had like stopped attending school. And so, you know, something she- you need to know about me, everybody, is that I don't retain information. <laughs> I don't remember most of this movie already. We're going to need to <laughs> let less time pass between the movie and the recording. Um, but, but yeah, that changes everything. Obviously, that makes more sense now about why they would be psychically connected in this weird world. Because she was sort of this beacon of hope that, like, not all is lost. And maybe he does still have some authority. And maybe his job is important. And... And here she is in front of him again. And in that way, she saved everybody just by being a good kid. She's also the one that made cookies and has a crush on the main character. Right. And She's a really good kid. And he ate those cookies in his tracksuit. <laughs> Which I thought was funny uh, when they kept cutting back to him and he's just <laughs> snacking on it. And, uh, and, 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 and he's a teacher, yet he has, well, I guess if it's a law. It was just really weird to see this teacher in a tracksuit sort of like commanding an army. Like he had like yeah. control of the military. It seemed, like, it seemed like he was an advisor because he knew all the students and he was like, I don't know. At the beginning, it made it seem like he was just kind of obligated to be there, but because he was so broken of a man, he was not dealing with it well um, and was kind of abusing the situation. Yeah, I had a hard time understanding if he's like part of the larger program or if he was just present for this thing because he seemed like he understood the inner workings of it. Well, and and he showed authority like when, I mean, he basically was telling people not to bother him. Yeah, he was the yeah, boss yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was like in charge, so which was just another weird thing that I didn't quite understand. But again, it's like we keep talking about these things that we don't understand or that were confusing, but I wouldn't say that that's a deterrent from watching or enjoying the movie. No, absolutely not. Which is also why I would like to watch it again cuz there's so much stuff where I'm like I just, there's a thread here. I just haven't figured out where it ends or starts. But I want to talk about, what did you call, what did you refer him as? G.I. Bro? G.I. Bro. I want to talk about that guy. First of all, wait, before we move on from tracksuit, in the Tarantino version, absolutely that's Harvey Keitel. I want to see Harvey Keitel in that role, (laughs) in that tracksuit. 100%. But let's make it velour, please. Okay, but G.I. Bro, what a character. What a character that guy is. You thought G.I. You thought, you, you thought Bro was more of a character than uh, Anime Kid? Like the, the, the evil exchange? Super mean, mean, mean bad boy. He's fine. I mean, he, I gotta say, if he would just use two fucking hands on that gun, <laughs> right. he might actually hit somebody. Yeah. He has a like a semi-automatic, it seems like. An Uzi. Or a fully automatic. I don't know anything about guns. But he's just like just like flailing one arm around with this heavy gun. Just put your other hand on it <laughs> and your aim would be so much better. I, I, that, that was like, this is the kid that enjoys this the most. And he's just, he's just, just too lazy to use his other hand. He's just, he's he's like um, Leatherface at the end of uh, Texas Chainsaw wielding. Massacre with the yeah. chains. That, yeah, where he's just like spinning around in circles in the middle of the road. Yeah. road. He had that vibe of just like, being so unhinged that yes. uh, it didn't actually matter if anyone died. He's just there for fun. As long as they eventually were maimed to the point of death, he was happy. <laughs> it drove me nuts. I made a note about it. I was just so angry. I'm like, this kid is supposed to be the ruthless killer, and he he just used both hands, dum-dum. Well, you know, he did have some brutal, brutal killings in there. There was the guy who had the bulletproof vest who faked his his death in front of in front of mean bad evil man um and then for he's like okay i don't hear anything it's been two seconds uh probably too far away to hear me scream maniacally laugh thank god for my bulletproof vest i'm still alive of course then he's back immediately to kill him yeah (laughs) it's shit like that where like obviously it's a joke like yeah (laughs) it's so dumb but i loved it I laughed out loud a lot at this movie, mm-hmm. which is 
horrible because they're children horrifically murdering each other. I, although I don't love the sort of caricature of the teenage girl being so, like, blinded by her crush that they're willing to do awful things to each other and... Like, that that characterization I don't love. However, it was a great time when um, Shuya is in the lighthouse. Shuya is uh, kidnapped by a crush and uh, trapped in a lighthouse with a bunch of rabid teenage girls. One of which uh, witnessed at the very beginning when they're releasing the students, they're throwing their bags and saying, all right, game on, go. And you see him in a scuffle with another kid that's just like immediately gone insane and is like just lashing out and he accidentally kills the kid and he feels really guilty about it and this poor girl who had a crush on the kid that died saw that happen and she's ready to poison him in a really dramatic fashion what were they making because didn't they call it spaghetti Spaghetti, but then started pouring broth into it (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you want to you want to you want to talk about Tarantino? Uh, that whole scene with the poisoning yeah. and the shootout, and uh, you know uh, mm-hmm. that that whole scene was very Tarantino. Only it's a bunch of junior high girls. <laughs> hmm. I I like to say it's more of a reference to The Office in the um, Murder in Savannah <laughs> episode <laughs> when they're doing the standoff. <laughs> standoff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I loved that whole scene. It felt really epic. Like, the movie goes by really fast. I don't know what the runtime is. It felt just, like, average to me. It didn't feel long or short. But it feels epic because... And it's it's wild to think back that it was just three days because the way that they, like, journey through all of these different scenarios makes it feel like an epic tale. Like, now we're living in a lighthouse. Only three days have passed. He's lived in all kinds of places in the last three days. Met all kinds of characters and killed them. On accident sometimes. But Danny, wait, Chance, if I had to apply a character to you, it would be... GI bro for sure. Sweet. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take it. You would absolutely be smart enough to form an alliance and build a backstory that's convincing enough and then turn on them at the last minute. Like, that's the kind of ruthless that you are. You're more strategic about it. There are other ruthless kids that are just out there just fucking slaughtering, like machine gun guy. But but you, you would be more strategic you would form alliances and then you would get confused about the alliance and you'd be like, am I friends with this person? No, I got to murder him. It's every man for himself. I could see that happening. Did, did, did you watch the movie? Cause he, he, that was, it was a, it was a double twist. That whole thing, right? Like he, he was, he befriended the two main stars and then played the villain towards the end. But then he came back around and that, part about being a villain was also a ruse to deceive <laughs> the leaders, right? Am I right? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, with the I microphones. Think, I think I got lost in all of the twins. I mean, so, I mean, we're trying to we're trying to keep track of 40 kids who are, who are murdering <laughs> yeah. each other. Which, by the way, I love, I love yeah, the countdown. That's why that guy ended up in a tracksuit. He couldn't do it either. <laughs> <laughs> so, I identify probably with uh, the teacher, I was the teacher <laughs> in the tracksuit. <laughs> Get off my lawn, damn kids! You've got fight I in you. I don't. I just. I don't see it. I don't see it for you, Dan. Dan, am I allowed to identify as the hacker guy? Yeah. Even though I don't have any of those skills in real life. And neither did he, let's be honest. It was beep, boop, boop, beep. <laughs> that was, Ultimately, he didn't do anything. Yeah. he. Uh, I don't believe that's how it works. Um, but, you know, he, he, he did his best and he apparently was successful. So It seemed like he spent a little bit too much time focusing on animating the guy bouncing the basketball. Yeah, a little animation. Like maybe spend a little more time on the hacking, less time on on programming a little 
cartoon guy bouncing a ball. I mean, that's probably what I would end up doing as well. So I identify with that. You'd be like, the interface design is important. Yeah, it's important (laughs) that this looks really attractive. Um, So I'll identify with him um, or perhaps one of the students uh, at the beginning who, uh, with the crossbow, just he kind of flips out and is kind of terrified at himself for, for trying to murder someone. Um, but tries to do it anyways and fails and ends up getting murdered. That seems reasonable for me. You know, I'll be honest with you, that was my first choice. <laughs> that's that's what that's the realistic uh, choice for myself. I think that would probably be me too. To be honest, I'm not cut out for it. Yeah, <laughs> Chance would be the only survivor of the. Three I actually of us. think all three of us would just be one of the no name students. That just uh-huh. gets taken out fairly early. <laughs> like, yep. we'll, like, we just can't quite... We don't have the skills. We don't have the... Sorry, but this is coming from someone who bought a baseball bat and then put nails in it just in case, so... Not to murder junior high students or my friends. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that, Chance. But I could see you, I could see you taking the route of self-preservation and maybe not not being against orchestrating other people murdering other people if you don't have to personally do it. But I feel like you'd be good at the self-preservation. Self-preservation is not my strong suit. I would jump off the cliff for sure. I, I, I would probably hide and let most of them kill each other off and then maybe so my body count wouldn't be so high, you know? Like take out the last one or two people as opposed to like murdering all yeah. three days. I would convince my boyfriend to jump off the cliff with me. That's <laughs> probably. Yeah, that's a good option. So we did want to talk about, oh, I guess we did already mention whether this was a, a actual horror movie or not. Um, again, I would say that it's not quite horror, true horror, but it's got enough blood and guts and, and thriller elements to, to make it horror-ish. I... I think it's horror, um, but I can absolutely see where you would struggle with kind of the line if it crosses over into not horror or not. Um, But I would argue that it definitely is horror uh, for both because of the situation and the the themes of the film, but also I think it's a different kind of horror. It's absolutely campy and absolutely... Uh, it gives off some low budge vibes at times with uh, the acting and the the use of props. I think <laughs> I think it's it's not a serious horror film, but I would call it a horror film. I'm thinking about the movie we watched for Creep Club, The Platform. Was yeah. that what it was called? Oh, uh-huh. I love that one. That's a similar like. I don't know what genre to put it in. It would be in the sh- same genre as this. That's like, you know, social commentary in the guise of near future uh, apocalyptic kind of, I don't know. It's not horror per se. The thing that puts it into horror is that it's so violent. When something is that violent and it's not like a historical reference, (laughs) people are like, well, that's horror uh, because it's horrifying. That's that's the main thing is it's a, it's a horrifying situation. Yeah, I will definitely watch this movie again. Same. I liked it a lot. I was I wondered if if I wasn't assigned to this movie and expected to watch all of it, if I had abandoned if I would have abandoned it before I got into it. I don't know at what point exactly. It was at some point in the middle of of the teacher doing orientation where I was finally like, okay, I'm listening. Um, But I do wonder if I had like started it just like on a whim, if I would have abandoned ship. And I'm not, I'm not usually one to do that. I I hate stopping movies after they've already started. I'm willing to torture myself just for a feeling of completeness. And that's a theme in my life. Um, anyway, yeah, I would definitely watch it again. And I think I apparently need to because I misunderstood a lot of serious plot points. <laughs> well, it was a slightly confusing movie at times. And, uh, yeah. but, but again, it's just, it, it's still, a, it's such a entertaining movie throughout that, um, it's okay 
that it's confusing yeah. sometimes. It's definitely an interesting movie. Uh, and I wish I wish that I understood Japanese to be able to understand some of like the translations. Uh, because I think that maybe tone can have slightly different meanings depending on how good the translation is with foreign films. And I, I would wonder if there's anything that could make more sense or would sound or, or be a little bit different in the original language. Yeah, that's that's usually the case. And um, there's a movie reactor that I watch on YouTube uh, who's Chinese. And uh, whenever they watch movies that are like it, when they watch a Chinese movie that's dubbed either in English or has subtitles, he often comments about how different what's being said in Chinese versus what's being portrayed in English. I mean, it's still the gist. It's still, you know, within the plot. But sometimes there are pretty stark differences uh, between the two forms of communication. So, yeah, unfortunately, I don't, I don't have the time uh, in life to learn Japanese. Right. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it would be interesting <laughs> to sort of, like, uh, be able to pick up on, on the subtleties of this movie because they're there for sure. Well, we already talked about the movies that we would compare it to, right? We already talked about, you know, uh, Hunger Games, Lord of the Flies, um, Platform, uh, half of Quentin Tarantino's, uh, you know. Yeah, honestly, if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, all you need to hear is that he likes this movie and then you'll like it just yeah. because you don't have an opinion for yourself anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> but what would uh, what would we rate this movie? What would you rate it, Tej? I'm going to give it, I don't want to make a habit out of it, but I'm going to give it a 0.5, and that's a 3.5. I don't really have a good explanation for how I came to that, except that, you know, if a movie almost loses me, like, if I wasn't sure if I was actually going to finish the movie, if I wasn't expected to, like, I can't can't confidently give it a 4. If that hadn't happened, probably a solid 4. Um... But I think it it takes it takes some warming up. Like you have to sort of be open to to letting this really odd, disparate tone sit with you for a minute until you have enough action to like have fun with it. Um, because there's a lot of like internal for me. There was a lot of internally just trying to figure out if I like this. Do I like this? I don't like watching movie and constantly asking myself if I like it. <laughs> But once I was in, it was a solid four. So yeah, that's that's my answer. Three and a half. What about you, Dan Dan? Uh, for me, it's a solid four. I think, you know, of course, some of it is the nostalgia factor. I think this is one of like the first cult films that I saw as a teenager and uh, really enjoyed, especially in the horror or as Chance would say, horror adjacent genre. So it has a lot of nostalgic factor for me too. Um, so I'd give this a solid four. I think it's real, real fun and still pretty messed up. And if you think about it, it's uh, it's got some interesting things to say. So definitely a four. Cool. Chan Chan. Um, so it's real easy when you have a one to five scale and you're watching lots of movies to abuse. Uh, a four rating, right? Because it's just sort of a safe, like, I liked it, but it's not like the best movie I've ever seen. So I'm going to go with uh, sort of slightly higher than Tanya. I want to give it like a 3.75. And for a lot of the same reasons where there's just times where I was confused and sometimes it's not even really the movie's fault uh, necessarily, Uh, but there were weird tones. There were just weird elements that there were times where I just had to accept what was happening and it took me out just a little bit, but all the other stuff around it was so awesome and cool and fun and interesting um, that it's absolutely worth watching, uh, but not quite a four. So like a 3.75, I would say. So for the subgenre though, and the subgenre, I guess what we decided is. I, I would say that I still say it's like a, uh, science fiction dystopian story. Okay. Okay. More that than a horror. And in that case, I would say, uh, I'd probably give it the same score. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good addition to that, to that genre. 
and I've read a lot of and, and watched a lot of dystopian films and books. So um, it's it's on par with some of the better stuff that I've seen. I'm not a huge fan of dystopian media generally. It feels very redundant. Why are we even friends? I don't even under understand. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of dystopian. Thank you, Dan. Stuff. Dan. Yeah. I think I, I get you mean Tanya. I think there's some over overdone tropes, but uh, for this one, I get the impression that it was pretty novel at the time, and it spawned a lot of kind of tropes that have been done to death in some ways. So I like to give it a lot of credit for for being the the common ancestor of a lot of media that <laughs> that uh, spawned from it. I would say. Maybe like a 3.75, same as chance, if we're doing decimal points. So what would you say if you had to convince someone to watch this movie? What's your elevator pitch? I mean, I would just go back to Tarantino. I mean, I think that's the simplest. It's so Tarantino in so many. Like, if you like Tarantino films where it's highly stylized, the violence is highly stylized, there's weird, quirky setups and dialogue and stuff like that. Uh, you know, that's absolutely a lot of this film. So if, if you like Quentin Tarantino films I th- and also like to, you know, watch Japanese films, then this is the one for you. Yeah, I don't think I could come up with a better, more compelling. (laughs) Just that, like, whatever's happening in your life, you will be taken out of it and dropped on this Japanese island (laughs) along with these students, and you will be completely immersed in their story for the duration of the film, and then you can go back to your own misery. That's what happened to me. (laughs) Dan Dan, that was a great recommendation. It was. you know <laughs> <laughs>